five, four, three, two. Pikachu is side quest enthusiast, a gaming podcast about the quest we play to be who we are. I'm your host, Kyle V. Hiller, but you can call me Dr. Chillgood out here in these stages. And on this episode, I'm joined by the Wordsius, the Charizardius, the Aussius. <laughs> Give it up for Alana Pierce. Questies of the Land of Enthusia. Give it up for Alana. So like this should be a reggae horn at the end of that. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm, I'm I smiling that whole time. That's a great <laughs> intro. Thank you. Wow, I feel like a wrestler. Yes, that's exactly. I think so. Everyone should have that in their life, right? A hype man. I think a hype man, or either that it needs to be like installed at your door. So whenever you walk in, there's just like cheers and everyone's shouting for you, or whatever. Everyone needs an entrance. You know what I mean? Totally. So, yes, please. Yeah. And before we get into any conversations, first of all, random question, what would be your entry song? Man, that's kind of tough. Like, I feel like I want to go with a trap remix of Lavender Town. Okay. <laughs> so my whole thing is that I'm very sleepy all the time. You can't give that. me too much of a hype song because it won't match the energy output that I can ever <laughs> expend. I don't have it in me. So I'm going to go with Trap Remix of Lavender Town from Pokemon Yellow, Red, Blue, um, because I feel like it's the sleepiest of the songs. It's so And sleepy. one of my favorites. <laughs> I think I, Psychic Type actually does have a Trap Remix of that song. I, hmm. Um, who's like one of the relatively prevalent Trap Pokemon remixes. Like, I don't know how many of them there are, but <laughs> Psychic Type. I'm going to have to look into that. I'm pretty sure he does. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. (laughs) But yeah, Alana, let everybody know who you are and what you do. Hello, I'm Alana Pierce, and I have been in the games industry for just over a decade now. Um, I started out in games journalism and then transitioned to doing some more uh, scripted content and more entertainment media uh, with the end goal of being a video game writer, which I now am at Sony's Santa Monica studio. You probably know for making God of War. That's right. You know, I have a really terrible secret to confess to everyone here. I I still haven't played God of War yet. Kyle. I I downloaded it. I bought it. I downloaded it. It was on sale. Got got it during the summer sale, but it's just been sitting at my home screen on my PS4. It's very good. ah, So I'm I'm not big on Norse mythology and stuff, Mm -hmm. but I did like Hellblade, I guess, but... I liked it a lot, actually, but I don't, I don't know. I think There's... you need to be into Norse mythology. I think you're no? okay. It's a okay. really great game about like relationships and responsibility, essentially. Mm. That's the mm. core of it. It's just set in the backdrop of the Norse realms. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see. You know what? I'm taking off the next few days, so we'll see. I might actually oh, just yeah. jump into it. So, love um, that. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that would be really good. I think it also feels like a, it's probably a really good game to be playing when it's colder outside and... I'm oh yeah get like a fancy bottle of whiskey for this event Look nice i love yeah. all of this do it i highly <laughs> encourage this awesome <laughs> so yeah i just want to say huge fan of yours thank you so much for taking me under your wing because this show would not be happening if it weren't for you i would have just been like ah eh, screw the games industry they don't need me but <laughs> well alas, a I am. uh we do but <laughs> B, no, um, of course. I think like, you know, I, I we met because you submitted some words to me, um, mm-hmm. which I do calls for pretty frequently to help either writers of color or um, members of the LGBT community or disabled mm-hmm. people. And um, you of every submission that I've ever gotten, I was like, oh my God, I love the words you write. I just really <laughs> love the way you write. It was it was the first time I, I did it on stream, actually. You could probably like go see my live reaction where I was what? like, holy shit, this dude is so good. Like, I just loved everything that you wrote. Um, I have not seen this. <laughs> yeah, you can see it where I, I think I was like, I'm going to go message him right now. And I told a bunch wow. of people to go follow you on the stream uh, because I'm used to, you know, getting people who just like need a lot more help with their vision or finding their style. And yours is mm-hmm. really like specific and distinct in a way that I was like so enthusiastic to reach out to you. Damn. 
That yeah. is wow! I had no idea that it even existed. That's hilarious. Yeah, I, I'll see All if right. I can track it down and send it to you. It's yeah, somewhere. please do. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, let's get into the conversation here, and we're going to start off with level one, stage one, mm-hmm. and in this segment. We're taking it all the way back to level one, and I've dug through the interwebs to find one of the first things you put out there in the world. Oh, no. I know. It's lovely. <laughs> and here, we're going to talk about what was going through your mind, focusing especially on the what and the why, because it's important that we remember where we came from and also give a little insight to the process for any listeners who might be thinking of embarking on their own gaming quest. So. Let's do it. Are you ready? Yes. Let's do it. All right. So I got two videos for you. I'm going to drop them here in the chat. This first one is titled, Mm. Why Pokemon is Important. Mm. Then I'm going to throw another one in here, anime voice acting with Vic Mignona. Mm. It's so funny. These videos are old enough that I look like I'm talking to myself in the comments. The first comment on this video is me saying no, because you used to not even be able to reply on YouTube. Right. So weird. It's so weird. (laughs) So I really like this Pokemon video because... Towards the end, you start talking about how you, as a person who you really do enjoy story-based games, of course, um, but Pokemon isn't necessarily the the most story-based game. It still does get to cast its own narrative as, you know, you get more Pokemon and then the challenge becomes more complex when you start mixing different elements and all that other stuff and who you're combating against. Is it true that a game like Pokemon actually is more of a story-based game? And what I mean by that and like how people experience Breath of the Wild and just Mm. how massive of an experience that was for everybody collectively at the same time or Pokemon Go. So I haven't watched this video since I published it. I never watched my own videos, apparently eight years ago. Mm. My guess is that I probably talk about really appreciating. um, I probably talk about people reducing Pokemon to a a kid's game and, and saying that I really appreciate that Pokemon is so specific in terms of the exact amount of uh, choice that you have, that you could have a team that's different to anyone else's team in the entire world based on which Pokemon you caught, which TMs you gave them, which HMs you gave them, and then breeding on top of that. Like, it's so layered and gives you so much ownership um, over your team, which is what gets you invested in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting to think about that. And, like, I, I you know, I charlanazard for a reason i I think pokemon really has informed a lot of the um preferences that i have in terms of games in general and the thing i feel very strongly about is something i feel like i talk about a lot is uh i'm not saying that i don't want games that have a lot of cutscenes to exist but i very passionately want to see the industry go much further than it has uh in terms of pairing narrative with gameplay and i do think pokemon has always done a very good job of that by making the narrative come from the gameplay um and feeling like it is your journey in a really specific way and um a really recent example of this is like i loved psychonauts 2 i had a really great time playing through psychonauts 2 however that game is so fun for you to even just run around on your little uh ball that when I kept getting locked in cutscenes really frequently, um, potentially really lengthy cutscenes, I was like, I wish that they had figured out a way to let this be gameplay. Um, not in the Half-Life way where you stand in a room and jump around and it kind of ruins delivery, but <laughs> right. a way that we can have conversations that are interactive, um, that that aren't just like a dialogue option, that aren't just a cutscene, that really take advantage of the software that is video games so that when we're telling stories, we're still playing a game um right and i feel very strongly about this i talk about it all the time um i do think there are some studios working on some things right now that i think will uh push the industry forward um i know what ken levine is working on is intended to be more about player interactivity in terms of storytelling so less of the the set pieces you you won't have your songbird moment from bioshock infinite but you will have a game that you feel a whole lot of control over and, and feel very invested in, in a very different way. So yeah, I still want games like the last of us part two to exist where they have cutscenes that are gut wrenching and, and it's very emotional. And I enjoyed watching those characters because I feel so close to them, but um, very strongly want to see more games and want to push to have more games be, 
be games is really right. my answer. And yeah, right. I feel like everything I said about Pokemon in this is so weird to see a three minute video that seems so short now. <laughs> right. Um, it's three minutes and 26 seconds. You're like, oh, how'd you get through all that? Um, Back in my day on YouTube, you could only upload to 10 minutes. Yeah. And now Ugh. everything's got to be over that and people don't even watch it. It's right. too short. It's wild. Ugh. But yeah, I feel like what I what I would have said in this video is is still something that I feel very strongly about. I'm just a little bit more informed about it now. Right. So do you think there are any games that are doing anything close to that? So the one that I keep um, bringing up that I'm the most interested in when it does release is Dying Light 2. Um, I'm not confident that it will pull off what I think it's trying to pull off, especially when, you know, they lost a writer and have had just a whole bunch of uh, unfortunate development hurdles and delays and all that stuff. Um, But they have advertised this one thing that I'm specifically interested in, which is the environment changing based on what you do. And that sounds really simple. But I think that's an evolution that if they inspire other devs, we could get very creative with where we could have, say you have four main NPCs who are all for different factions um, and you go to one NPC and you do a series of quests for them that maybe will hurt one of the other factions that based on you making those choices, it's not just a different ending where this player hates you and maybe there's a boss fight with one of them Mm. from a certain faction. Instead, the world actually changes. So the story feeds into, after that point, every step that you take and everything that you see and and the items that are available and what weapons are available. Um, And I think that that's a thing that I really am excited to see studios expand on that I do think Dying Light 2 um, intends to. I just want to see how far they go because it's very technically complicated. um, Of course, really difficult. Um, some of it probably in the long run will have to be procedurally generated, I would think, for studios to actually be able to pull this off. Um, but otherwise, I kind of think that Transistor uh, did a pretty good job of it. Have you played Transistor? It's probably my third favorite game of all time. No way. There you go. <laughs> I feel like Transistor does a very good job of, um, again, it's something that I, I think we have so much room to grow on, but of just very neatly tying the the story and your relationship with your weapon um to to character and to upgrades and to making none of that feel arbitrary um i really like the way transistor did it for sure but yeah the game that i have my eye on the most closely upcoming is dying light 2 otherwise yeah what what ken levine is is working on however long it takes him to finish transistor is so interesting because i remember playing that on playstation and you know there's the controller there's a speaker on the controller for ps4 and having the sword talk to you as you're playing the game was just so it's neat it's really neat, especially when, spoiler alert, just skip through this if you haven't played Transistor yet and you plan to, but there's a point where the sword's not talking to you anymore and something happened to it and it's just, it's kind of devastating or you just feel so alone. I felt a reaction to that. Totally. And that was just like, whoa, that's that's a game changer, literally, for me. And uh, that's just Not that many cool. people have done it since. Um, but I mean, they're, they're, everything they do is fantastic. I'm such right. a fan of that studio. Yeah, I, uh, and I that's an interesting one. Like, you know, when I announced that I was working in AAA game development, I always use them as an example for anyone who was like, "Oh, but you're a, you have a journalism background. You can't write." Yeah, so do the founders of that studio. <laughs> Look what <laughs> they've done. They went from games media to making right. Hades. It's uh, uh, it's encouraging. It's, yeah, it's um. So let's 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 pivot off of that real quick because for me as someone who is a journalist my native my default is actually creative writing i've sort Mm -hmm. of fallen into journalism as sort of a profession for you having made that transition and actually having been in media in different ways including you know you've got voice acting credits at this point and lord knows what else you have on the horizon that we don't know about quite yet (laughs) how do you make that transition and was that something that is hard for you or has been hard for you or and then also like what was your background before journalism was there any sort of creative writing uh desire there was there any sort of journalism journalism desire there before you got into it officially what's what's your relationship with words um so i've been writing my whole life you know i wrote books when i was seven like from the time that i could write i was writing stories and books and all that stuff um i would say i was creative writing long before i had any interest in journalism even um 
so it's always been there definitely it's my two main passions in life of video games and and writing and i don't see that really ever changing um so i made way into journalism because i think it was really in large part in interest of of uh, uh finding a career out of those two things um mm. it was partly that i was doing it anyway that i was like writing reviews on a blog of games i was enjoying and i did have a a small ish following on tumblr i think maybe it was like ten thousand followers or so just from wow. doing that um so i was already doing that kind of stuff from when i was a teenager was just talking about video games writing about them anyway um so then yeah i started writing went to study journalism but the uh, other major is entertainment writing. So I did do screenwriting. Um, I did, I did some sound design as well. I did some, some, some game design things that would be like peripherally related to the entire entertainment industry, really. Hmm. And making the transition from journalism to creative writing, I was very, very, very calculated. I knew that I wanted to do it. I just got to a point where I was like, I've done everything I can in games media. I don't have anything left to do. I've achieved the things that I intended to achieve. This is now easy. I'm not learning anything new of course i still enjoyed my job um there are massive downsides to games media like not getting paid and being overworked and mm. um people yelling at you all day every day uh, there are definitely <laughs> those downsides but i still ultimately loved the job um but i was like okay the the other thing that i wanted to do is is write video games so i knew that probably like four years ago that this was the path so i started making waves towards that which is um actually trying to finish uh, some of the stuff that I write in my spare time. So I did finish a screenplay. I finished a couple of short stories. Um, I volunteered at studios. I asked if I could sit in on writer's rooms and sign NDAs to do that. And I did do that with three studios. I consulted on some indie games. Um, I did two game jams. So I basically like went out of my way to be like, I know this is what I want to do. Sure, I have the the writing uh, the time I studied in university. And sure, I've been a professional writer for this many years, but I wanted to make sure that I was also getting the actual like game dev um, credits. Um, it was also why I moved to Rooster Teeth. Rooster Teeth does animated shows, scripted right. content, uh, live action, and video games. So I was like, I want to be more involved in all of that kind of stuff with the end goal of being a video game writer. Um, so I basically just like did everything that I could. Um, and you know, part of the voice acting stuff was also getting to see some of the writing and work with some of the teams on that writing um, in some cases as well. So yeah, all it was all very, very specific and and planned out of me just looking at this big picture and being like, what do I need to do to make sure that I can actually achieve this goal and and working on it when I could. Um, the transition itself, I don't tend to have writers ask me about this very often. Um, people who aren't writers seem to ask more often. It has not been difficult at all. Like the types of writing aren't actually that different. Um, right. You know, I see tweets of people say, this is so different. These two things don't even correlate. No, they kind of do. It's still sure. Like when you're thinking about characters and locations and whatever else uh, for any of the, the games that I've written on, like that is a different thing you're focusing on, but it's still getting the important information, making sure every sentence is important and relevant. And um, I, yeah, I haven't found it hard at all, but maybe that's because, you know, I, I was already doing so much fiction writing in my spare time anyway, that, uh, it just feels like I'm still a writer. It doesn't feel like I'm a totally different kind of writer. Right. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I always thought that journalism was going to be this thing where it would just make my writing so stiff and mm. it wouldn't be creative and it wouldn't be fun. And I, I'm grateful for my experience with journalism because it did make me a better creative writer. And I don't think a lot of writers that I talk with understand that. Yeah. And I'm not exactly sure why. And yeah. I'm, I'm still wrestling with it for whatever it's worth. Um, but no, that's really interesting. Yeah. When it comes to that, though, so you've also have done other things in games, including voice acting, and you've made your own movie, too. You made your own short film, which was dope. Thank you. Um, do any of those experiences sort of inform you as a writer? Yeah. So the uh, I have one more short film that I hope we can make at the end of the year. It's just a lot more expensive, so I have to figure out how I'm going to do that. Um, the first one I made was very intentionally very restricted and thus cheap and easy. Right. <laughs> um, meant that I couldn't do a lot of stuff that I would have wanted to do, but like we didn't have audio, for example. So I'm like, okay, I have to work with the limitation of no dialogue. Right. Uh, what can I do? <laughs> um, I think they all go into one package of just, I really like to, to challenge myself with some of those restrictions with working in different 
mediums with trying to tackle different things. And I just really like learning overall is like, I just want to know how these things work for all of these facets of writing. Again, a, a, a thing that I've been doing for forever. So um, yes, they everything that I've done has absolutely informed things in different ways. I think that um, directing that short film, especially leading into my others, gave me the experience of it, gave me a lot more information about how to write some of the longer screenplays that I've written. Mm. And I went back and edited some of them and was like, okay, well, now I know that that shot looks awkward. Uh, stuff as simple as moving right to left on camera yeah. looks very strange. Mm. Left to right looks correct. Like just all these like little tiny things that, that I can now sort of picture it a lot better. Um, voice acting was an especially interesting one because I've done it with a number of studios and seeing how they all do it differently was very cool. Um, I did do a little bit of writing for a studio, this one has not been said publicly anywhere, but um, that have very extensive dialogue trees. And that was so much fun. Yeah. Because I'm picturing how the voice actor would tackle it as well. And I feel like I hopefully was informed by some of those experiences because I did have to do a little bit of that on Cyberpunk. And frankly, it was really hard. Um, where you're like, okay, how do I make sure that this previous sentence could potentially have the same tone as these four next sentences. And so the character doesn't seem like they're just jumping all over the place, even if I'm going for a specific emotional response and like trying to make sure you ramp those things up in a way that the conversation flows no matter what is like such a fun puzzle. It was really difficult. And yeah, definitely uh, feel like I was helped by having done some of that kind of voice acting for sure. Um, the voice acting is also just really interesting because like, some directors are just obviously way better than others. Like, I've, I didn't know that at the time, but I've worked with some directors that I were like, oh, that person was effectively useless. Like, they didn't give me tips that could help. And I'm hoping that now, if I, in the future, get to direct voice actors, which I imagine will end up being uh, part of my job, just writing for video games long term, that I can be better about that and know how to give better tips and, and get the performances from people that I'm trying to find from whatever line I wrote. Right. Oh man, that's tell me a little bit more about like if you can sort of the dealing with those those trees and things like that as far as just like is there anything that's happening with when you're working with the director as far as just like giving you that direction of just hey, this is how this is going to work or do you have any do they give you the insight to what's really going on in there cuz I feel like I've always mm. thought of voice acting is you end up in the booth or who knows how it is now with, you know, the pandemic and everything, but like, how are you processing that information as you're, you know, in that booth, the, recording booth? The thing that I think that sucks about it the most, um, and this doesn't apply to everything, but it applies to everything I've done is that you don't get the script ahead of time. And, uh, that means you just have to make decisions on the spot. And as someone who's new and not at all experienced or talented, <laughs> I think I have more trouble with that, that I'm just like, oh my God, this is so much that I have to figure out right now. And so I really need a director to to tell me if what I've done is correct. Like I did not like my um, performance in Cyberpunk when I was watching it back. And at the time I felt like I, I was like, okay, I feel like we did a good job. And I was trying to figure out why I didn't like it. And I think that um, A, I don't think I can act when they make me do my own voice. I think I can when I'm doing an American accent or a British accent when right. it's my own voice. <laughs> I just can't do a character. I, I'm just terrible at it. Right. Um, but it was also that not seeing the animations um, meant that I feel like when I'm, if I close my eyes, I'm going to listen to that dialogue. I'd be like, okay, yeah, this is just like a woman who's kind of distressed. Uh, but if I look at it is when it becomes sort of what I consider to be a bad performance. Um, but that's because I, what I'm saying doesn't match the way the character is moving at all. So mm. I think I learned a lesson from that that was like, oh, if I have the opportunity to, I should be asking any of these studios I'm doing with this, with what kind of movement I might have. Um, I think that that happened in Ghost of Tsushima where some of the NPCs would be talking about, you know, their husband dying and how badly they need help, but they're just sitting there. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. And so it looks like a bad performance. It looks cheesy, but it's not necessarily from that. Mine actually probably was a bad performance. But, you know, across the board, that's a lesson. I was like, I should ask those questions and I should 
know to think about the fact that I don't have control of a physicality, even if I'm physically moving a lot when I'm doing that VO. So that's definitely um, a really big part of it. And yeah, the process across the board is like very unique from studio to studio doing um, dialogue choices. I think I've been rushed through that before and it's like very difficult to go from being fine one sentence to needing to be emotional and crying the next. Right. <laughs> I think I've also just, uh, voice acting something that I do for, for really my intent with it is to collaborate with studios I like. So if you're going to see me voice act, it is almost always going to be with a studio that has people that I like and know who work there. Cause that's my intent. I'm not trying to become a big voice actor. I'm not, you know, trying to do it professionally. I'm trying to like have the experience working with these people from these studios I like on these games I'm excited about is is generally what my goal is, is just to work with people I like and have them help me get better and, and feel like I created something with them and, and have that awesome experience, which is obviously very selfish. But, um, you know, there's there's things from that that I've also just learned my limits. Yeah, uh, I can now say hey, this is only ever going to be a cameo. I never want to be a, a lead character unless it's like exactly the perfect fit. But uh, I, you got to stop giving me emotional roles because I feel like that's happened a number of times right. where it's like, I'm not emotional as a human. <laughs> so then <laughs> as someone, again, who is untrained and not particularly talented as an actor, I'm like, I can't, I just, I can't do this. And I need to like be able to tell people from the jump is like, just don't give me emotion. Like the, the character I know I can play is, is any kind of like deadpan, slightly Daria-esque woman. I'm like, I have that down. Right, right. Um, I could do Joanna Dark in the new Perfect Dark. Oh, I could do great. that pretty deadpan British woman yep. for sure. <laughs> but for the most part, <laughs> it's pretty, uh, it's pretty limited and it's, it, it, you know, I just didn't know those limits and now I think I know them. And I hope that like at some point I will work with directors who will be like, Hey, we have more time. Let's, let's figure out how to teach you to get out of that box. Maybe you do have more in you than that, but it's something that I'm not currently trying to focus a whole lot of time on just cause it, it is like a, a fun cameo um, approach is what I have to it. Does, is it hard for you to say no? No. Oh, yeah. Terrible. <laughs> I just said yes to something on Monday. That was just the worst idea <laughs> but i was like well i do have to do this now and yep. it's a great concept but oh my god what have i just agreed to and i i didn't realize quite how badly it was until i asked someone else for help and they were like i don't have time right now so um i could jump oh, no. on a call with you about it but i can't help and i was like neither can i what am i doing <laughs> oh man that's tough yeah. that's tough yeah i uh i just always want to be making stuff though so it's also rewarding but yeah no i definitely work way too much yeah yeah, that's yeah, that's something I'm working on. And I said Stuff. no to a couple things today, and I'm proud of myself. But Hell yeah. I don't know if I'm going to do it tomorrow. You know, <laughs> it really is touch and go with me. So. Yeah, it's it's a tough thing to learn. I'm hoping that like adulthood, maybe <laughs> I'll just figure that out at some point. I don't know. No, I no, I'm I'm old. Let me tell you, it <laughs> it, it, it keeps happening. And I tell everybody yeah. else, don't do it, and then I do it. So yeah, I know. Me too. I'm terrible. Um, so when you're meeting someone new, right, how do you introduce yourself? Cause I feel like you do everything and I don't know mm -hmm. if you have, like, what do you feel like is your core thing? Do you feel like writer being a writer is your core thing? Do you call yourself a writer? Like what's, what's your jam? Yeah. So being a writer is my core thing. Um, and it is my, my jam. And that's because that's what I do most of the day. That is what I spend most of my time thinking about, most of my time doing. Um, but of course, you know, yeah, I do do a bunch of other stuff. And it's an interesting disconnect because the way that most people know me could not possibly be as a writer because writers by virtue of just writing words that other people speak and show and, and act or whatever are always behind the screen. So right. most people know me as a YouTuber or a Twitch streamer or a content creator in general. Um, and not as a writer. So there's definitely like a weird disconnect of how I see myself and, and how I recognize that I am publicly perceived because it's just a lot easier to know someone from YouTube than it is to know them from words they've written. Yeah. Um, but yes, it, you know, despite recognizing that other people don't know me as a writer, uh, that is definitely how I see myself. And it is also like what I see myself doing for the rest of my life. Like that's, that's my goal. Um, all of the content creation stuff I do is, is always, 
you know, only when I've done the writing, I need to get done in a day. It's, it's always an afterthought. It's the first thing that gets pushed. If I'm not feeling well, YouTube gets dropped, but I never stop writing. So yeah, that is, I think my family would, would also agree with that, you know, from the perspective of the people who know me, it's like, yes, that's what you do. But, uh, yeah, it definitely disconnected from the thing that is the most publicly visible, which is, yeah, it's strange sometimes that I have to be like, what? I'm not that, but uh, well, to you, I am. So <laughs> that's okay. Right. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's like my identity is I like learning and I like writing. Has that compromised your path at all? Other people not knowing what it is that you do or I don't not understanding. So. Yeah. No, because the people who know me personally are the people that I work with. Right. And they know. Right. So you know, I had a thing happen the other day where I made a joke to a colleague about being seen as dumb internet woman because I just make so many tweets that are jokes, um, <laughs> right. often intentionally a little bit trolly. Like I often, I would say probably most of my tweets are I was about to facetious. say, when are <laughs> any of your tweets not trolls? Like You can only tell they're not trolling if I'm saying it all with correct grammar right <laughs> that's how that's, i know yep, yeah exactly if they're lowercase <laughs> they're facetious yep. um and that is most of them uh and that you know that's something that i'm aware that i'm i'm doing but uh yeah i made a joke about it to, to a colleague the other day and she was like nobody here sees you that way you know that and i was like yeah i know that because like you know when i'm in writers rooms or i'm submitting writing to them that's all they see so um i don't feel like it has compromised anything that I've tried to do in that I've always been writing at the same time. Like even when I was at IGN, people talk about me at IGN as, oh, she was the host of, of this. She, mm. she hosted the daily fix. She was a host. Host was never in my job title at IGN and everyone who worked with me at IGN knew that I was a writer and a producer. So the people that I actually have professional experiences with are aware that while I do do stuff on camera I am a writer and that was always the thing that I was the most passionate about and, and a thing that um I liked working with people on and you know I was yeah I was editing a lot of people's work at IGN even some of the executives sometimes I would edit their work so yeah it's it's only a public um disconnect that I don't think has any actual negative effect on me really at all right right strangers are always gonna you know <laughs> think whatever they will think and again I don't fault people when the thing that is easy to find is YouTube. It's yeah. not easy to find or even remember seeing my name on an IGN article, you know, like you, you don't, you don't look at it that, that hard. The, the real question is, is that Tumblr still up and where can I find it? It is still up. Yeah. But I removed, I imagine that I still have game reviews on that. I removed a lot of stuff from it. Um, find it it's just charlanazard.tumblr.com i have not used it in a long time i like i had a bunch of fitness progress photos when i first started losing weight that i've left up there that sometimes internet men really just like to ogle but i'm really glad that i still have that because it's right. like this is from 2013 i lost 40 pounds i don't actually remember mm. um and I was like, it was just, I, I like having that journey still there. I just feel like it's really nice that I can look through that and be like, oh, I shared this with a lot of people. And right. I shared like getting healthier and what I was eating and the exercise I was doing. And it's all just publicly available. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, it still says I'm 26 on there. <laughs> we 28 now, son. Right. <laughs> I think there, there are still old blogs, but most recently, like when I started getting paid to write uh, more I couldn't publish stuff on there anymore it wasn't worth it rather so right it's several years back at this point you've got some stuff from 2019 on here so yeah looks like that's the last time I used it yeah. just tried to update or reblog in 2019 right <laughs> wow that's fun <laughs> I'm about to it's weird this. to look at yeah yeah <laughs> I think my Zanga's still up but we're not giving away the address for that because nice. that was when nice. I was in college in 2004 so please don't <laughs> google that you won't find it I what I did with it when um when I started to get up following outside of Tumblr was because I had it since I was like an actual kid you know right was I just went through and deleted everything that was old I didn't like read it I mean you know I didn't find I don't I don't imagine I ever would have said anything that was problematic I was always a pretty good kid but uh 
well, that's not fair. Now everybody's problematic in the past. You're going to learn from it. I wouldn't yeah. know what I've learned from. You know, that's not fair. But um, I just, I just bulk deleted old things. I was like, I don't know who this teenager is anymore. I don't know what she stood <laughs> for. Bulk delete. Yeah, I, I hate looking at my old stuff like that because I'm just like, wow this post from facebook 10 years ago <laughs> everyone saw me say this that's embarrassing yeah, that's a thing i chose to say to people right wow and left it up didn't delete that one <laughs> that one got away that one got away okay yep Ugh, so bad i do have a couple of old tweets that i really love that i i went back and saved i haven't ever deleted anything on twitter but um i have all this old stuff that's like Ugh, I'm I, I'm so close to giving up. Like, I wonder if I'll ever be able to make a livable wage as a writer. I have loads of tweets like that. Of like, oh, submitted another um, pitch today and didn't hear back. I don't know how much longer I can do this for. And there are just so many where I'm like, <laughs> again, shit, I would never tweet now. <laughs> but right. so many things that I, I'm like, man, I'm glad that I can see that and that I can recognize that I felt that way because like when you're in a position that you want to be in and I love the position I'm in now, it's easy to forget, you know, the moments where you were really close to, to giving up and it's just nice to, to know that I didn't and that I felt that way and that I kept pushing and that I made it happen and obviously that I'm in the tremendous position of, of privilege that I'm able to keep doing that. Um, but I, yeah, I like, I like reflecting on those and seeing those are there. I have this Facebook post from... 2014 where I talk about having zero dollars in my bank account um, I would have already been like two three years into my career at that point and I already in 2014 would have had over a hundred thousand followers wow. um, and I was you know I was writing and I would have started making YouTube videos but I just wasn't making any money because I was I think at university and was also at that point in time using any money that I did get to fly me to events to like network in the games industry and meet people because I wasn't in a games industry city. I wasn't in one of the cities where the events happened. So I had to fly to all of them. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's nuts to like look back at that and, and be like, oh, I, I was almost screwed a whole bunch of times. And, um, and I, and I got through it, which is awesome. Yeah, you did. Was there anything specific or not that kept you going? Um, I have been told from when I was really young, um, you know, I have like when I graduated primary school or elementary school, so I would have been 12, I have this bear that I had on my teacher's sign and like three of them had notes that said things along the lines of, I can't wait to read your first book or see your name as a New York Times bestseller for the first time. <laughs> so I had always been told that I was going to be a writer and I think that that I was like, okay, I am then. I'll, I will do this. So I, I actually don't think that I ever would have given up. I think that I stubbornly would have kept trying until I found a way to be a writer for a living. Maybe it wouldn't have been in games, which is the dream. Maybe it wouldn't have been on a franchise uh, or at a studio that I absolutely love, which, you know, is what I'm doing now, which is incredible. But I would have found some way to to do it um, without giving up. But the truth is, I, you know, when talking about privilege, I didn't come from a rich family. My, my parents do not have a lot of money. Um, I, I never was given any money to be able to accomplish anything. But uh, my parents let me borrow money for them and pay them back. So I was borrowing, you know, $200 to get a flight to Sydney to go to this EA event to meet these people so that I could write about it for this magazine. And if I didn't have any money, they would let me borrow money. And then I would, you know, pay them back when I got that money back from publishing whatever I was publishing. Right. I would not be able to be here today without that. So without the the support and the safety net that my family offered, you, there's no amount of just work hard and you can do what I did. There's none of that exists without that, without that safety net, without them helping me. Um, and I think like that's, partly what kept me going was I'm being supported in this thing that I'm doing by my family who does not have money. I gotta, I gotta make this work. And it was frustrating for them at times. Cause my, I remember my mom saying when I was just starting out as a volunteer, she was like, you're such a good writer. How long are these people going to make you work for free? It's not fair. Uh, cause it was maybe two years that I wasn't paid. Maybe I'm not sure. Um, mm. and 
you know, I remember my stepdad being like, I explained it. I was like, no, 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 I have to do this so that I can get better, get a portfolio, put a resume together, get the feedback, have a body of work so that eventually I can get paid. And I remember my stepdad being like, she's right. Like what she's doing makes sense. We just have to keep letting her do it. And, and you know, they were like just uncomfortable with me being exploited essentially. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's ultimately the, the short answer is, is my family definitely kept me going. And I feel like I had a lot of teachers who, who really set me up to pursue the path that I did, but yeah, wouldn't be anywhere even close to where I am if I were having to worry about bills or whatever. I mean, my parents did make me pay rent, which I kind of love. Like I didn't know that wasn't common. <laughs> My parents made me pay rent as soon as I could afford it. Again, they didn't have very much money. So they were like, you got to pay rent. We're buying you all this food. Um, and yeah. now I appreciate that because they taught me really well how to save. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I always am money conscious. But um, yeah, it's it's totally them. They just they were just so supportive. Wow. Shout outs to the family. Yeah. Yeah. They really did it. That's that's that is a very precious story. <laughs> like, yeah. I think that's that's really heartwarming. Um, yeah, it's very like my stepdad uh when I first went to make videos was letting me use his camera. Oh. Which was probably the most expensive thing we had in the whole house. Right. Was, I don't know, $2000 camera maybe because he was really into photography. Mm. And um it was this whole thing where they were like, "No, no, no, no. You wait, you you you're going to Paris for this event. You can't take the camera. That's too expensive. Like we can't we can't do that." And then I remember him just like pulling me aside one day I was going to uh, Xbox was flying me to Paris because I worked for them. One of the first video companies or, or video hosting positions that I ever had. Mm. And uh, yeah, he just sat me down and was like, I'm going to let you take the camera. And I was just like, oh my God, thank you so much. Because <laughs> otherwise I like didn't have a good quality iPhone back then. Right. I don't know what I would have done. So yeah, they were extremely supportive. Yeah, I love stories like that. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about Evolving. Sounds good. BRB. And we're back. Hello. Alana, what are you playing besides Far Cry 6 right now? Um, I'm still trying to get all the figments in Psychonauts 2. Okay. Um, I'm uh, going back and getting trophies in Deathloop. Mm. Um, I've been meaning to start the Forgotten City. That's on my list of things that Ooh. I want to start. Nice. Um, I'm playing Jedi Fallen Order because I haven't finished it and I'm probably a quarter from the end um i'm also actively still playing through the one where the medium the medium that's it. Right, right the yep, medium there we go um so that as well i feel like i'm always playing like a pretty significant number of games and yeah i'm not going to finish far cry 6 i don't think i don't think i have it in me to finish another far cry game when they are also similar but right. i am actually really enjoying it because i've taken such a big break so mm. yeah. do you feel like it's easier for you to kind of bounce around a whole bunch of different games. Cause I used to be the type of person who would just play one game exclusively. And I'm learning that, no, I think I like playing six different games at the same time with no intention of actually rolling credits. I'm just playing the game. I don't know. Do you, I totally bounce because it's based on mood, right? I don't want to play the medium right now. Like <laughs> I would play fuck right now. Right, right. Um, they're all, depending on what mood I'm in, what kind of game I want to play. And that's the beauty of video games. So many options. So many um, options. Yeah. No, I never play through just one game unless I'm very addicted to it. Like right. there are always like three or four games a year that make me stop playing everything else. Death Door did that to me this year. Mm. Oh, I can't wait to um, get on that. I really, really like it. I'm waiting um, for the Switch version. I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but, you know, fingers crossed. But anyway. I wouldn't... I, I feel like that that would work very well. Like I can't see why it wouldn't. Um, that, ga- that game's great. Yeah. It's a real good time. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I'm not playing any Pokemon right now though, but mm. let's pretend that we stumbled across a rare candy. 
And okay. your inner Pokemon is about to evolve. And it only needs one more level to do so. And your inner trainer says, it's time to use the rare candy. Sharlanazard, mm-hmm. when you evolve, what's the next level? Um, I think it's uh, it's more short films in, in the short term. Is I want to be able to collaborate with other people on a larger scale. So the next one that I have planned, again, if I can somehow get money together to be able to afford it and to fit it into my time. Um, I've already asked the the lead actress and it's someone that I really love and I really want to work with. And I'm like, it's yeah, it's more short films in the interest of collaborating with, with people who just bring such different talents to me that I get to learn from them and see what they do and, and, you know, watch this thing come to life that I, I just get to bask in how cool that is. And then hopefully actually be able to pay an editor and, you know, just have more access to talented people and, and do a little bit less of it myself would be the big one. Um, but the rare candy that I've half eaten right now that is still actively in progress is um, <laughs> the second year of the video game accessibility awards. Mm. Um, so I started that last year and it was originally going to be a thing at PAX and then PAX got canceled and I was like, Oh, well I just won't do it. And then I had a thought where I was like, well, that's not fair. You can't just give up on something because it's it got harder. Like that is not at all in the name of accessibility. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I did it. It was really difficult. It was like a lot of sleepless nights and really, really, really long days to make your own awards show. Um, I had Steve Spawn, who's a very good friend of mine, come in and, and co-host. And Shout outs. Yeah, he's great. Um, and it was obviously very helpful, but uh, I still wrote the script and produced everything and hired everyone and created the run of show and organized all the, the categories and how they would appear and you know, it was a lot. So um, I've got help this year from uh, a proper production company, which is wonderful. And we are planning to have an in-person event for it. Nice. Um, it's all actively underway. We have a meeting about it once a week. And I'm I'm really excited to see how it turns out and, and if it comes to life the way that we hope it will. Yeah, that's really awesome. Yeah. In progress, rare candy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, that that really tripped my brain for a second because I was like, "Well, if you eat half of a rare candy, what do you just get half the experience that you need to get to the next level?" I like, think what? you get none, and you have to finish the rare. You candy. Have to finish so the rare in candy. The process of consumption. Oh boy. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. That's an interesting concept. <laughs> I'm about to mess with that and put that in a segment somehow. <laughs> I like that. Uh, so as you know, when you evolve, you might learn a new move. And if you've got four slots filled up, you got to forget one of them. If you had to forget a move that you already have in life and think as far outside the box as you like or not, what move would you quote unquote forget? It's a very interesting question. Cause if I was like, if I'm, if you're asking me if I want to get rid of something, it would be the amount of sleep that I need and I Mm. think that I work so hard in my waking hours to offset the fact that I need to sleep so much um because I like I generally to be fully functional need like 12 hours a day it's a lot more than most people and even then I can need a nap um but move implies that it's something that's that's useful hmm not necessarily well sleep's the one that I get rid of or the health issues in general. Just get rid of those. Okay. Right. <laughs> Throw it out the window. <laughs> um, but otherwise, you know, I feel like we spoke about this earlier. Just um, if I could just not work all the time, if I could figure out a bit more of a balance, I think. Like I struggle right now with being like, well, I have a Twitch channel and I have a YouTube channel, so I should be making content on those things. And that takes away writing time. Yeah. And that's always a struggle. It's like, but I need to be writing or I want to be writing or I want to do this hobby right now. Or like, I want to learn guitar. But then I'm like, but I haven't streamed in five days. I should stream. <laughs> right, right. So <laughs> do less stuff would be great too. No, I, I totally feel that. Work sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's so dumb. I hate all of it. Like, yeah. I like some of it. Some of it's cool. But the majority of it is definitely not. <laughs> it can go somewhere for all whatever it's worth. I love all the work I do. I really do. I, I enjoy absolutely all of it. It's just maybe if I could just get rid of one of them, like <laughs> then I would have more time to not work. I But I don't know that I can pull yeah. off. <laughs> I think we just need to revise 
how many hours in a day there are. It should yeah. be 30, you know, and go from there. It's fine. It's totally fine. Yep. Yep. So I'm going to segue into the next segment. But before we do, I have to ask you mm. if you could speed run any video game, what would it be? Portal. Ooh. I think the portal speedruns are just the coolest. Hmm. I've never actually seen one. I'm have to. Oh, they're wild. Whoa. They like use portals to speedrun. That would like, be like to really break dope. the game. Yeah, yeah, they're really neat. Oh man, I love breaking a good game. I love a good game to break. I've, <laughs> I like to break a good game. I can't even say that. You know what I get I mean. it. You get I it. You get it. I understand. <laughs> the sentence itself is broken, and that's what makes it matter. <laughs> Much like speedruns. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so it's time for the SQE speedrun. And here, mm-hmm. I'll ask our wonderful guest, Alana, a series of rapid-fire personal questions. And the faster the answer, the more questions we'll burn through. Alana will have two minutes, and the more questions uh, she answers, the more she clearly knows herself. Okay. Do you need another explanation? Nope, I'm good. Let's go. What is your third favorite game of all time? Fallout 3. Hmm. What is the last game you rolled credits on? Uh, The Artful Escape. What was your second game console? Uh, The original Xbox. Okay. What is the best snack for gaming? I love M&M's. Which kind? Bonus point. Just just regular. Just regular. Just regular? All right. Yeah. Keep it true. Yeah. If you can't pick Charmander as a starter, who do you go with? Well, that's harsh. Squirtle, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, what is a game that you've always wanted to play but haven't gotten around to? Chrono Trigger. Oh. I know. <laughs> mm. uh, what is a game that you really wanted to play, got to play, and was disappointed by? Alan Wake. Oh, wow. It's my most controversial opinion. Wow. Okay. Um... <laughs> Because we're on a timer, we keep going. In a real-world <laughs> RPG, what would be your best stat? Dexterity. Mm. All right. When you envision a chip on your shoulder, what kind of chip is it? It's like literally just a Dorito. <laughs> what kind? It's just just the most just... basic ass Dorito. <laughs> what is the is Cool Ranch the basic Dorito? Is there not just, like, original flavor Dorito? I don't think there are. Okay, pausing the timer here. We have to do this. <laughs> I think it's probably... It's either Cool Ranch or it's Nacho Cheese. I think... The, the packages don't look the same in Australia. So what I'm referring to is less of, like, a flavored Dorito. It's more just, like, a corn chip. In general. Just, Whoa. I want that triangle shape. Right, tortilla right. chip, huh? Yeah, I yeah. I just googled it, and uh, yeah, there used to be original Doritos, but they original. were discontinued. Wow. Yeah. Wow. All yeah, right. it's the green ones that I'm thinking about. The original salted. Yeah, I've never yeah. seen those before in yeah. my life. What? Oh. I can't believe they discontinued those. I'm, wow. I'm gonna they go really down that, that that rabbit hole of you know what's funny <laughs> that that when I I went Doritos original. The first website that comes up that you can actually get these on is um, doritos.com.au. So you probably still can get original Doritos in Australia. All right. Pin that for later. Nice. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Glad I asked that question. Uh, (laughs) Learned so much about the world. All right. So next question. Coming up on 30 seconds here. Who is your video game crush? Uh, Geralt from The Witcher 3. Mm, Good one. What game are you looking forward to the most that releases in the next year? Dying Light 2. Mm, right. And what was your game of the year last year? And it didn't have to come out in 2020. Oh my god, what was my game of the year last year? I had one. Um, I'm like forgetting what games even came out last year. <laughs> I, I mean, I really loved... I really loved Ghost of Tsushima. But there yeah. was one game that I was fucking banging on about last year, and I can't remember what it was. Mm. It'll come back. Oh to no! You <laughs> well, we are out of time, but I'm still going to give you the Moneyball trivia question, which is worth mm-hmm. two points. Two when points? 
was Pokemon Red and Blue released in Australia? 95? That is incorrect. Damn it. <laughs> it is Six? 1998. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's way later than it I came thought. Out, it came out like a year or two after the Japanese release, I believe. But Interesting. So yeah. it was... It, might have been 95 for Japanese. I don't know. Who knows? I was three. <laughs> well, on a scale of one to self-aware, you are a 13. Congratulations. You know I'll yourself. take it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Demon Souls was really good. I really enjoyed Cyberpunk. A lot of people didn't like it, but I really liked it. I had a great time with Among Us last year. I'm just like looking back at all the videos I made to be like, what was I losing my shit about last year? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Among mm-hmm. Us was last wait i know among us didn't was last come year. out well, last it, year it didn't come out last year it came no, out like i just 2019 played or a lot of it last year but which i'm really thankful for like i think you know it gets memed and, and shat on but um it was such a great game for the pandemic because i you know i live in a studio apartment and i was completely alone didn't i didn't see people for months you know i don't have a balcony i don't even have a, a window that has sunlight so i feel like that that game specifically was just such a good escape from the pandemic that's so that's okay i'm i'm tripping because to me among us was really big this year or did that really kick off last year and i'm just not yeah it was last year wow yeah okay it's like 2021 is almost over and i'm still yeah not caught up with the fact that i mean it says my first among us stream i think was september 3rd and i was late to the game wow yeah Man, I, I've been sleeping this past year. I have no concept of time in the past two years. Oh. No, I know. That's why that question's so hard. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. I'm going to have to adjust that one. <laughs> um, well, Alana, mm-hmm. one more thing before you go. We have to know what the side quest of your life is. And how this goes for those new listeners out there. The inner game publisher in your life sees that you're on fire, which you are. And they want to make a DLC for the people to play. This DLC is a way to define a side of you that people may see as obvious about you, or it could be something you don't get to share often, but it's still you. What is the name of the DLC of your life? Hmm. I think I'd go star stuff. And uh, the DLC of my life is like a hidden passion that when I was a kid, I wanted to be an astronaut. That was the first thing I wanted to be. Wow. And then I found out that I couldn't be an astronaut because I have asthma. Huh. And I was devastated. Um, that you can't go to space if you're an asthmatic. Um, but I still, my whole life, I think it definitely ties into a, a lot of my writing. The, the two like novels I'm currently working on both happen to be sci-fi, even if for my job it's much more fantasy. Um, but I've always just like very much loved space and huge fan of Carl Sagan. And, um, Mm. yeah, I just got an astronaut tattoo pretty recently. So it would definitely be something to do with space. And it's scary. What's scary? The tattoo? The DLC. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Great. That does make much more sense. (laughs) Thank you for that clarification. Um, where would you, what, what about space intrigues you the most? I love the feeling of insignificance. Um, I find it comforting to know that I am a tiny little speck in a, in a giant scheme. Um, but I also, like I said, really love learning. I couldn't be more Ravenclaw if I tried. <laughs> and it feels like, you know, something that you can't see or even really perceive accurately just feels like a whole wealth of knowledge out there that I will never be able to master. Yeah. And I think that I just find that so alluring. I'm like always down to put on a space documentary and, and learn something I didn't know. And every new, um, I did do science writing for a while. I did it, um, at university, but also at IGN. That was part of my initial job role was, uh, toys and culture editor included Mm. a lot of like science news and right. Yeah. Just big fan, big fan. Yeah, man. Space. I, I indeed. I, it's one of those things where I wish if I if I stumbled across a magic lamp and I had three wishes, I'd be like, "Bruh, give me eternal life, give me the ability to 
adjust to any adjust and live and survive in any environment, mm. any conditions, and give me the ability to just actually travel through space. And I would just you want that to is see a very all. good series of wishes. <laughs> That's a lot better than what most of us come up with. You're basically a god. Basically, and all right. I just don't want any like powers though. Like I just want to yeah. observe and listen and see what else is out there. I want to have my mind blown so hard all over that. The, the place and then come back to earth and share it with everyone. And then no one's going to believe me. And I'm just yep. going to laugh at them. Cause like, huh, you should have believed me. Or but, you do it like Carl Sagan, where like the thing that I love the most about him and is a thing that I'm, I'm actively trying to do with my YouTube channel is take knowledge that you have and make it accessible to everybody yes. in the simplest terms possible. Yes, absolutely. It's like, you know, I, starting two new video series is pretty soon and one of them is just going to be me talking to two different video game writers once a month about like their knowledge and, and that's the thing that i can bring to that youtube channel that i think a lot of people on youtube can't do by virtue of also actually working in the industry and i just want to like be able to teach people how do you do this for a living what are the things that you think about like just be if, if you ever have the opportunity to be carl sagan you should be <laughs> that's my stance <laughs> right absolutely that's that's so vital Totally. I like, I value people like him so much. Um, like Cosmos is still awesome. Both versions of Cosmos are awesome. It's such a great show. And I mean, Neil deGrasse Tyson, I also really like, I just feel like he's much more antagonistic, <laughs> but maybe that's just because he's on Twitter. Right. Twitter ruins everybody, <laughs> not the other way around. Maybe Carl Sagan on Twitter would have been the exact same. Probably, probably. <laughs> yeah, I think you're onto something there. Yeah. Um, well, Thank you so much again for coming through. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Any final thoughts? I mean, I would like to ask you a question if I can. Oh, boy. Okay. Are we still recording? Yeah, we're still recording. Um, Where do you see yourself in 10 years? Oh, boy. Okay, hold on. Let me adjust my chair here. <laughs> <sighs> All right. So um, that is a doozy of a question. I think... Um, I'm really wrestling with this idea of what it is that I want to do for my life. What do I want mm -hmm. to, I want to be that a master of something. And I think writing for me has always been my thing, but I think that kind of got skewed in so many different ways that trying to make sense of it has been really difficult. Mm -hmm. So when I think about myself in 10 years, I actually had to think back and look at myself from 20 years ago, because this is something I've been actively thinking about. I knew when I was in high school, very specifically what I wanted to do, I wanted to be a DJ. I wanted to work in games and I wanted to do something that had either to do with storytelling in games or sound in games. Interesting. And then I played Celeste and then mm. Celeste tripped me up because that game told a story with, by saying very little and so much of its sound design is telling the story. And I want to chase that. I don't know what that's going to look like in 10 years, especially yeah. with, I, I don't, I don't know what steps I need to take in order to get to that. Cause I don't even know what that thing is, but I do know that for me, I do see myself working in games creatively in 10 years. Awesome. Yeah. I look forward to working with you. Yeah. That, that <laughs> would be a beautiful day. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Sounds amazing. So yeah, before I let you go, where can people find you? I am all over the internet at Charlonazad. It is my name in the middle of Charizard, and it's very difficult to spell, so I rarely shout it out. <laughs> but yeah, I'm on YouTube and Twitter and Instagram, and I just made a TikTok a couple of days ago. Yeah. And been posting video game facts. Mm. Um, and that's about it. Yeah. Awesome. Everywhere is Charlonazad. Sorry about the spelling. <laughs> We're making it work. Yeah, you know, they'll figure it out. Um, so yeah, everyone, please go show Alana some love. And as for us, you can follow SideQuest Enthusiast on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at SQEcast. Episodes of the podcast are live on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud every other Friday. Peep game on our website as well, SideQuestEnthusiast.com or SQEcast.com if you don't feel like typing all that out. Haha, -ha, I got you. Support SideQuest Enthusiast by making a one-time donation at Ko-Fi.com slash SQEcast. That's ko-fi.com slash sqecast every dollar goes a long way to keeping this show alive and elevating voices in the gaming space especially in the name of diversity and inclusion hell yeah if you can't give share this episode with your friends on social media and leave a review on apple podcasts may the goddess smile upon you 
And remember, say thank you in advance for what's already yours. Yes. Pork chop on the beat, and we're out. See you next time. Bye. Come to me, dark warriors. Battle awaits us.